Ron and Anian. We're heading into 4th of July weekend. AAA expects, if I read the report right, over 380,000 breakdowns because of the number of people that are going to be out on the road. The car doctor. I wondered if I had anything to worry about with a hybrid battery. Toyota has such high hopes for their batteries that they've, they've got, I think it's like an eight-year, 100,000-mile warranty in general. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. birthday america and welcome to the car doctor's fourth of july radio show hello and welcome ron and annie and the car doctor here and i just want to remind everybody to take a big bite out of the american lifestyle this weekend and have yourselves a great time and remember that as tough as things might be we're still in the greatest place on the planet that being the good old us of a happy fourth of july happy birthday america I wanted to talk to you this hour as we kick off this episode of The Car Doctor a little bit about batteries and battery technology. And it's been a case at the shop the last three weeks. I'm noticing in the heat as summer is here that we're seeing much higher battery failures. And we're seeing battery failures. I've been taking a survey and watching the numbers. We're typically seeing battery failures on the variety of cars, the typical mix Toyota, Honda, Ford, GM, Chrysler, Audi, Volkswagen. Um, but typically on the on some of those cars that are three- to four-year-old batteries, older vehicles, that the battery's not going the five-year, the six-year mark, whatever the length of time that battery's supposed to go. And that's interesting to be aware of because I've also made a casual observation for the last year and a half. Battery manufacturers are changing the way that they warranty batteries. There's no more prorating on batteries. You're typically going to start to see, if you haven't already, uh, for example, we'll sell a top-of-the-line platinum battery, as they might refer to it, and it'll have a 42-month free replacement from specific manufacturers and, 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 and distributors. And then after that, it's up to you. There's no more prorating per month after a year and a half. They've gone away from that. And I believe it has to do with that they've changed the manufacturing process. Its batteries are just evolving into something else all over again, just like the automobile is. And it's becoming that much more of a complicated item. But suffice it to say that I marked the three weeks of June 
as selling more batteries than I did three weeks in December. And, you know, you have to sit there and look at it and say why. And I've always said and I've always maintained, along with many in the industry, that heat is the biggest killer of a battery, and it is. I've seen the proof of it again this summer. This isn't the first summer I've run into this where heat was the problem or heat caused battery failures. But what's really bothersome is each and every one of those batteries, and I documented it over 14 times, were vehicles that we hadn't seen in a while, vehicles that didn't have maintenance, vehicles that approximately half of them had really dirty battery terminals, and the rest were vehicles that had minimal amounts of oil changes, minimal amounts of service, no one to look after, care, kindness, water level, charge rate, what sort of condition is the rest of the vehicle in. And I've got to think that that, along with the heat factor, is creating an issue for batteries. I was coming home last night. We went out to eat. And about 10.30 at night, it was a late night. We had stopped to do groceries, too. We had a fun night out, right? Boy, you know, you remember when you're younger, you used to go out late at night and you'd close down bars. Now when you're older, you go out late at night and 10.30 is tired and you're closing out grocery stores. So it just goes to show you that the, the, the age process, you do become your father and you do become your mother. It just takes a little while. And I felt bad because as we were coming home last night, there was a vehicle broken down on the side of the road, hood up, and two people standing there in the dark. And, you know, with that look on their face, now what? And I couldn't help but think this was probably a car. See, it looked to be about eight or nine years old that was in need of some maintenance, that was in need of something to keep them away from the dark gollywoggles as I sometimes call it, you know, being stuck on the side of the road. And even though it was a major highway in New Jersey, it was Route 17, uh, you know what, stuck on the side of the road, I don't care how busy the road is, sometimes that's worse. You've got to worry about the 18-wheeler trying to pass and somebody getting cut off. And even though you're on the shoulder, the shoulder isn't the safest place to be either. And I was going to stop, I will say that, but just as I approached them, there was a police car turning around on the overpass. He had seen them. And um, he popped on his lights, and he came around the corner, and he took care of them. I could see him pull over in the distance as I was up ahead. And I guess my point, as we kick off this hour of the car doctor, is it's still about maintenance. It's still about you've got to take care of it. It's a car. It's a piece of machinery. We were at the shop yesterday. It was um, you know Friday, 4th of July weekend. And we were seal-coating the parking lot and doing some maintenance on the building because you know, it's 4th of July Friday. Who's going to work on what? And there's really nothing to go on. And every all the cars are gone. All the cars are done. And yet people still called. And it was for things that could have been avoided. Somebody was overdue state inspection by four days, and they were afraid to drive the car over 4th of July weekend. They had a whole two months prior to get it done. They waited until the three days after and procrastinated. Somebody wanted to bring in a flat tire that they've had in the trunk of their car for two weeks, but they needed it for the weekend, and they, they, they needed to get it done. And one person called they needed to have a major service done. Saturday was the start of their annual family vacation. They were taking a trip to North Carolina, and they wanted to get it serviced yesterday. And I just wondered, thinking about it, you know, and then when I saw the people last night, 
I, I wonder, you know, how does that keep you, you know, I wonder if that person that was stuck on the side of the road had done their maintenance and, you know, had their care, had their due diligence. You know, I know we're all stuck on this cars don't need anything mentality. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later on this hour. But Consumer Reports just came out with an astounding article that really spoke well of the problems car manufacturers are having with oil consumption. And that oil consumption is becoming, it's, it's, it's there, it's underfoot, it's becoming a real issue. We're going to talk about that this hour, too. I think I want to leave you with this, that when you're doing the simple things, and there's still a lot of simple things you can do, you know, the top five things you have to worry about if you're getting ready to go away Fourth of July weekend, and you're already there, so maybe this is a little late, but you want to look at oil level, you want to look at tire pressure, you want to make sure there's no major leaks on the car. You want to take a peek at the headlights and the taillights and check under hood for regular fluids and take a shot at the wiper blades as well. So I guess there's six things that you want to think about. But if you're riding around on a battery, to come back to the full point of this conversation before we kick the garage doors open, if you're riding around on a battery that's three, four years old and it looks like you're growing cauliflower on the battery terminals, you probably need to have the terminals cleaned battery tested, and maybe replaced. And here's where I'm going with this, and you knew I had a direction. There is a lot to be said about the heat and the problems that heat causes with batteries. And one of the ways to ensure that the battery is going to last last its life is to take a look at the technology that's being put into them, specifically power frame grid technology. And we're seeing some excellent positive results with PowerFrame Grid technology in that we haven't replaced the battery yet. Now, it's been out for a couple of years, and we haven't had one failure. And that says a lot about what's going on. Keep in mind, you know, we talk about technology and how it can improve the life of the car. Well, PowerFrame Grid technology provides a battery with a better chance to withstand the heat and the shock and the vibration and the issues that we see non-power frame grid technology batteries go through. So just something to think about. You can make a choice. You can make a difference. And you can avoid being stuck on the side of the road with the dark gollywoggles. It still comes back to how you choose to take care of the car. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to talk to you about your car problem, whatever it might be. Here to help you solve that car problem. Here to help you have a better relationship both with your car and your mechanic should you choose to do so and not scare you away. That's not my goal. My goal is to uh, really just kind of explain to you the automobile and what's going on and, and why some of the choices you make, both in repair shop procedure and dollars you decide not to spend, may put you on the side of the road and the dangers in that. Down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined once again by our friend instructor Steve, as we call him, from Cincinnati, Ohio. Steve's going to be stopping by to talk about some of the common problems he sees do-it-yourselfer and young mechanics making people when they choose or don't choose to properly maintain a vehicle. Always a good time talking to Steve. We've had him on the show before, and he's always a good fountain of information. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And when the car doctor returns, we're going to kick open the garage doors and do just that. Be right back.
back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Keep in mind you're looking for more information about this radio show. It's cardoctorshow.com. There is a slew of, of information there. You can get out to tunein.com, iheart.com, itunes.com, all sorts of information and ways to podcast and take this radio show with you on whatever device you choose to. There's also a streaming button, which will allow you to stream this radio show live during show hours, Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as a continuous reel of Car Doctor uh, radio shows on a, a regular basis. So um, there's a lot of ways and a lot of choices you have. And we try to give it to you any which way that you want. Let's get over to the phones, which we can now kick open the garage doors and go over and talk to Rick, Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Rick, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you for your show. You're welcome. I got a 2010 Honda Accord, and I'm very concerned about this oil consumption problem I've been hearing about. Yeah, that's uh, and it's not just the Accords, Rick. Uh, we've seen bulletins of various shapes and sizes for Accords, Odysseys, V6s, four-cylinders. Uh, we've seen more than a few cars go through the shop with this particular problem. And for anybody that's not aware of it or just tuning in, uh, the issue is on Honda engines somewhere around the 2008 model year up through 2011 and some early 2012s, they're starting to have oil consumption issues to the point that they may actually foul a spark plug or two, cause the engine to run rough, check engine light to come on, engine miss, check engine light flashing. And if it's driven that way long term, besides the oil consumption, it will you know go a great way towards damaging the catalytic converter and creating problems with that as well. Honda has more than a few bulletins in a case in the case of your 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 accord, Rick. It's bulletin 12-087 that talks about how once Honda identifies that your vehicle is having that particular problem, that they will re-ring the engine and make some engine changes at the dealership level and uh, repair it. Is that what you're hearing? Oh, I've heard uh, there's several causes. I've been hearing uh, rapid cold starts and poor gas. and They reduced the, the tension on the piston rings to get... A little less, or I mean, a little bit more miles per gallon. Yeah, and and I and I think that's the one that's really breaking the back. It's they they've lowered the tension of the oil ring, in in an attempt for less friction and you know more fuel economy, and um, you know there's the result. So that is true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely, it's true. And you know, I typically see it. I have seen it on cars with with as little as thirty nine thousand miles on them. And to date, I have witnessed it on vehicles which is much, with with as much as seventy thousand miles on it. So it's not like these cars are old when this happens. You know, this typically happens four or five years old, six years old maybe, and you know, lower mileage in the fifties, and all of a sudden, boom, uh, the consumer is faced with major repair. Now Honda, and it outlines it in the bulletins. It they talk about they have settled uh, some sort of a class action suit about this, which the details have not yet, I've not been able to find out the details about it, but I've just read about it in the bulletin. And Honda has extended the warranty for an additional, I think it's eight years, 100,000 miles or eight years, 80,000 miles, something like that. Um, So they have, you know, they are covering it. But my concern, my problem is if you're, you know, the last thing in the world you want to do is to have the engine of your car 
taken apart. I don't care who does it. And, you know, when you do something like this at dealership level, you want to make sure the guy that's doing the open heart surgery isn't just rushing to get through the job. And I have concerns about it. It's funny, too, because out of the five vehicles that I have seen personally go down to the dealership to get repaired, two of them still have a problem with oil consumption. And the third one has some other engine issues as far as leaks. And, you know, my point is that the due diligence and the care level of the technician working on it isn't guaranteed just because it's at a Honda dealer. And the same thing can be said for a Toyota dealer, an independent repair shop, a a chain store, you know, a, a mechanic working on a car, or I should say it like this, the repair facility working on the vehicle is only as good as the people in the uniform and finding good mechanics today is still a big problem. Well, is there anything I can do to, as far as maintenance or anything? To no, there really isn't. Um, they don't, and they don't, they don't reference that in the bulletin at all. About the only thing you could do is either replace the car or wait to see if it happens. And if it happens, you know what the procedure's got to be. Just make sure you have all your documentation regarding oil changes and services because, uh, you know, while I don't know this is a fact that it could happen, you, you know, for certain, I would be that, you know, they might be able to get out of it. Well, you didn't do enough oil changes. You didn't do proper service. You didn't follow factory scheduled maintenance guidelines. So it, it also puts the onus on the on the owner of the vehicle that now, and rightfully so, you you have to have had done service. So it's just something else, more paperwork. So every one of these cars are having a problem, not just some. Well, you know, the bulletin actually lists a chassis range, but I'll say it like this. I've spoken to the guys at Honda, and I know one tech at Honda, he's doing three a week. So that's wow. an, that's an awful lot of cars. That's an awful lot of cars, and that's one guy. So, yeah, that's awful. And, and and that's a big shop. It's a forty man shop. So, uh, just just something to be aware of. Rick, good luck to you. And um, you know, if you need a copy of the bulletin, shoot me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. I'll be glad to email it out to you. And um, you know, hopefully that helps you to make a good decision. Coming up next, some of the mistakes that can be made by do it yourselfers and young mechanics, and maybe put you on the side of the road. All in our follow-up conversation with instructor Steve from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Ronini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. Let me point out, too, that that 855-560-9900 is 24-7. You can call that number anytime, day or night. If this radio show is not on the air, you can leave a message, and our executive producer, Fast Harry, will call you back and get you in queue for the following week. I think it's the simple things that lead technicians and do-it-yourselfers astray. You know, it's always that one thing you forgot. It's always that, you know, rush, miss, oh, nuts, I got to go back over it again, and it becomes a problem. And we thought it would be interesting because we were having conversation among ourselves this week of regarding its 4th of July weekend and how many people might get stuck on the road and, you know, accidents and just in general what the automobile is going to do 
to society this weekend or vice versa. And we thought about some of the simple things that go wrong, and we thought we would get an instructor's perspective, and who better than our friend Steve from Cincinnati, Ohio. We welcome him back once again. Steve, welcome aboard, sir. Thanks for having me back, Ron. Uh, you know, it's the little things, Steve, right? It's mm-hmm. And you see it all day long. You're an instructor in a classroom, and you're, you're teaching young adults and young technicians and people that want to work on cars and learn the trade. And um, it, it's, it's, the, it's the time-consuming, simple mistakes. What do you see them doing most? Well, really, it's just like you said before. They, they don't do the basics. And the bottom line to it is you get a car comes in and it's not, let's say it's not running correctly. You know, a lot of young technicians and that, what, what, what they don't do is they don't do simple things like, okay, let's check the oil, make sure it's clean, you know, because we've got brittle cam timing now. We can have a problem there. Make sure it's they up don't, the level. Yeah. They, don't, they don't check the battery. Yep. You know, you don't think that, well, the car's cranking over fine, so that can't be a problem. Uh, guess what? Right. <laughs> that can be a problem. The alternator, things of that nature. To look at the look at the coolant in a vehicle, you know. I've seen uh, cases where the uh, coolant in the vehicle becomes uh, extremely acidic, and, of course, it changes, to, changes the cooling system into a giant battery, and it causes all kinds of drivability issues. And, and then so, that, that in of itself can be the entire problem or be masking a problem and have more down the line that you've got to deal with? Well, we had two. I had a while back, I had a fellow that uh, he called me up. He says, hey, look, he says, uh, he says my, my car keeps eating wheel bearings, wheel bearing on the same side of the vehicle. He said, I put a cheap one in. And he said, I put a, a good one in from Napping. I said, I went to the dealer and bought one. He says, I'm getting, you know, 12, 14,000 miles out of them, and they're they're dead. You know, I'm having problems with them. They're making noise and stuff again. And he says, and nobody seems to be able to tell what the heck's going on with it. And I says, well, I says, uh, um, bring it over. Let's take a look at it. So I put my voltmeter down in the coolant, and, you know, I'm getting like a half a volt hmm. off of it. Well, it just happens to be that it's affecting the wheel bearing on the darn thing. You know, who would think? With that kind of mileage, if that kind of thing could happen, but it does. You would think more that you would have a problem with, with a water pump or something like that, and it may very well. But in this particular case, he had this problem. So it's just sometimes people overlook the little things, and they wind up chasing their tail is what I find. They, they just don't get to the root cause of the problem. Steve, do you think that coolant is is so much more critical. Let me think of how to ask this question. <laughs> you know, it, it just seems like there's so many things that go wrong with coolant or more so. It's like coolant is under so much stress now. And do you think it has to do with the electronics on board the vehicle? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with it. In fact, uh, a big mistake that people make is going and getting the one-size-fits-all coolant and sticking it in their car. I've seen I've seen seasoned technicians even do this, and they say, "Well, it'll work." And yet, yeah, it'll, it'll work. The coolant will work, but the problem with it is, is that coolant is not designed for that engine. And when it breaks down, it's going to attack that engine and components in that engine, 
and you're going to have a repair bill and a half on your hands. Yep. Unfortunately for the consumer, the guy that's taken into the shop, by the time he has a problem, say he's a water pump leaking, <laughs> you know, it's 12 months down the road or, you know, year, year and a half, something like that before it starts leaking. So there's no, they, they just don't put two and two together and say, oh, it's caused because I had the wrong coolant in it. But these coolants, you know, you got electrolysis and things of that that, uh, that uh, manufacturers are dealing with too. And the coolants are designed to help address some of those issues. So you put the wrong coolant in it, you got a problem. You leave the coolant in too long, you got a problem. And I know people will sit there and tell you, well, this is a lifetime coolant, you know, an extended life coolant. Yeah, but who's, li- go, who's uh, lifetime? And, yeah, and, 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 a lifetime. Well, yeah. you know what a lifetime is, don't you? Let's, let's say it's an automatic transmission. Okay, they say never any change of fluid. It's a lifetime. Well, when that transmission burns up, that's the life of that transmission, right? right? It's time for, <laughs> and it's time for another one. Yeah. Right. So, in this, in this, in essence, too, this is what this is what's taking place. It's just little things like like that. The coolants are under a lot of stress because the vehicles, you know, the temperatures that they're that, that they're running in, the environment that they're in, it's you know they're breaking down. They're breaking down a lot quicker than what we would, what you would normally expect. But you got on the other hand, the other problem you got too with everybody wanting to go to the extended life and uh, coolants, and, and that is, you have the EPA telling manufacturers, hey, we need these coolants and these fluids to go a lot longer than than what they used to because you know there's a when you drain the coolant out of a vehicle and it's shot, it's done, or oil or something like that, you know, there's there's a certain amount of waste. Right, and where's it, and where's it going to go, and then what are we going to do with it? Right, yeah. and to that, and, and I heard recently that the EPA is looking into trying to get car manufacturers, and I don't know the whole deal on this. It's just something that I've heard, but they're trying to get car manufacturers to recommend 15,000 now oil interchange intervals. Yeah, that'll go over real well. Well, here's the thing. I can I can take a synthetic oil, put a good filter on it, and I can run 15,000 miles when the car is new. I can do that. But eventually it's going to catch up with you, and you're going to have engine problems. Right. You know, so... Have you seen the but, new Consumer Reports article, Steve? Have you had a chance to read it about the oil consumption issues? And how they no, but I no, but I am aware of it. In fact, I've done some research on. I was listening to the guy that you were hit on there about the Honda before. You guys were talking about that, and one of the things that uh, I read an article, and I think it was in Motor Age. I can't remember where it was, but they said one of the things that they believe is causing some of the problems is because of the the the, the synthetic oils that are they're using in the engines and things of that nature. If they don't cross-hatch those cylinders just perfect, the rings never seat in. And that's where they're getting, they, they think they're getting some of their oil consumption oh, issues. Oh, I'm sure. Hey, Steve, I'm going to pull over and take a pause. Let me hold mm-hmm. you another segment. There's a couple of more things I want to go over with before I let you go. Sure. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. We are back right after this.
She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Welcome back, Ronanini and the Car Doctor. We're here with our friend instructor, Steve, Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, we choose to identify him that way for a variety of reasons. We're trying to maintain some anonymity here. Correct, Steve? Correct. <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll, we'll leave it like that. I'm looking at this article from Consumer Reports. I want to get your reaction to this. The magazine focused on survey data from 498,000 owners of 2010 to 2014 model vehicles, and 98% of them said they did not have to add oil between changes. But even if the problem happens to only 2% of owners, that equals 1.5 million cars from the five model years. Several engines from three manufacturers were the main offenders, according to the magazine. They include Audi's 2-liter turbocharged four-cylinder and 3-liter V6, BMW's 4.8-liter V8 and 4.4-liter twin-turbo, and Subaru's 3.6-liter six-cylinder and 2.0 and 2.5-liter four-cylinder engines. The Subarus burned less oil than the others. Standards for certain engines, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, certain engines and manufacturers say that it's reasonable to burn a quart of oil every six to 700 miles. What do you think about that, Steve? I think it's inexcusable for any engine in a new car today to burn that kind of oil. It's just there's no way. That's a lot of oil getting past those rings. And, you know, that oil gets past the rings, the engine's burning it and stuff, and guess where that stuff heads? Yep. Right down to the catalytic converter, and that gets so ruined. you can yeah yeah it gets be expensive too because you get down that catalytic converter and it ruins that converter. You know, chances are that converter is going to live long enough that it's going to be out of warranty, right. yeah. <laughs> out of its emissions warranty, and then it's going to die. Yeah. So I mean, to me, if, if someone sits there and were to tell me that it's normal to use a quart of oil every six, seven, eight hundred miles. I, I would have nothing to do with that car whatsoever or that car manufacturer because that's insane. Well, and then that and then a, what do you do with, okay, let's play it out. So four years from now when that car has 80,000 miles on it and it's been going through a quart of oil every seven 800 miles or six 700 miles that the manufacturer considers acceptable, and now you come along and buy this four- or five-year-old used car with eighty to 100,000 miles on it, now in 10,000 miles or less it needs a catalytic converter. And you've got to go through a hey, listen, a, a, a real catalytic converter on some of these cars. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know where do you think they start twelve, fifteen hundred dollars, and then go up from yep. there. Yeah, yep. They go up and go from there. I've seen them as high as twenty five hundred dollars. Right, right. So you know, all of a sudden, this oil consumption issue be, becomes a real problem. Hey, Steve, before mm-hmm. I let you go, uh, I want to sure. talk a little bit real quick. Um, what can you share with us? You're writing a book about OBD two diagnostics made simple. Mm-hmm. My spies tell me. Yep. Um, what it's about basically is it's how to make the diagnostic process simple, as simple as you can make it. Um, someone like, such as yourself probably wouldn't benefit from it because you, you know how to diagnose these systems pretty well. But it's designed more for the do-it-yourselfer or the guy that's just getting started. And I cover a lot of different things in there. For example, tools. What kind of tools and equipment should you have? You know, how far can a do-it-yourself or go, and when should you punt and find a professional to come in? You know, things of that nature. Uh, just the whole idea of diagnosing something and not just throwing parts at it. Because what I don't, I'm sure you've seen it too. Someone will bring a car to your shop, and, and they've done thrown, you know, 
three, four, five hundred dollars to the parts of the car trying to fix it instead of spending the hundred, hundred and fifty dollars to get it diagnosed correctly. Yep. Yep. You know. So and it's just other things that little tidbits of information that go along with diagnosing cars and things of that nature. And one of the things I mentioned at the beginning of the book is that I'm writing is this is that if you don't have an electrical background, you don't know about automotive, electrical, and electronics, you shouldn't be touching that car because you're going to do more harm than you're going to do good. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I've seen this a lot. Uh, oh, no, it's probably been about three or four weeks ago I heard about this. This guy decided that he could diagnose his own car, and he took it home from one of the shops here in town. And that, because he didn't want to pay the, the kind of money they wanted to diagnose his car. You know, he he was an engineer. He knew what he was doing, right? So he gets home, and some way, shape, or form, he takes and he runs 12 volts to a sensor ground. I don't like the way this is going. Yeah. Well, you know what happens when you let the smoke out of the magic box, right? Yep. You can't yeah. put it back in. Nope. And that's what he did. He burned that thing up. So, you know. He's saving himself money. Oh, he saved a whole lot of money doing that because now it got towed back to the place where <laughs> where he had it originally at to begin with. Okay, so they had to go ahead and put a PCM in it, program and everything. Then they had to go back and diagnose the original problem. So sometimes people think they're saving themselves money when the reality of it is, is that they're not. You know what's really funny is you have a refrigerator, your refrigerator breaks down or your dishwasher or something like that, most people will call out a service technician. But when their car breaks down, they roll up their sleeves and think, oh, I can fix this yeah. myself. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't know where that's going to come to an end, but it's going to happen real mm-hmm. soon. I was at a Toyota dealer the other day, and they're telling me the story about how their techs are now going to be required to start looking up their own parts as Toyota, mm-hmm. it seems, is starting to or trying to phase out the uh, people behind the parts counter at some level, yeah. and it's 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 going to be interesting. Steve, the clock's going to take us, and um, I've got to go. But as always, sir, a great pleasure talking to you. If you uh, care to, when you finish your book, we'd love to get you back and talk about that a little bit and mm-hmm. um, help you promote it because it sounds like it's going to be a good one. Let me uh, just yep. take a quick two seconds and wish you a very happy Fourth of July to you and yours. All right. Thank you. You do the same, and everybody out there, be safe. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, we appreciate your time. I am Ron Anini in The Car Doctor, and I want to thank you for joining me this hour. And I want to let you know we're going to close out with a little bit of a salute to the good old US of A. Happy birthday, America. See ya. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to 
today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the land